Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me Radio. It is Monday, December 9th, 2019, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. My name is Megan, and I am here with the ever-lovely Kristen. What's up, Kristen? Nothing. How's it going? Good. And later on, we'll be uh, joined by someone who's been on the show a couple of times, uh, Megan, uh, to help us talk about our main discussion, which I'm super happy about, which is the Harry Potter book series. So we're going to do some book talk, some television talk, and then we're going to try our best to get to that main discussion as fast as possible. Because let's be honest, we could talk about Harry Potter for like a week. (laughs) All week, nonstop. (laughs) Like like every day. So we're going to try to get that discussion as soon as possible. So let's not stop. Let's just get started. Uh, so the first thing that we'd like to start off with is just what are we watching? What are some TV shows that should be on the radar? Um, do you have any TV shows that you'd like to recommend or warn people against? Oh, no, no warnings. Uh, my current obsession, I just finished the last season, um, is Shift Creek on Netflix. The final season is getting ready to come out, and I have to wait a little bit because it comes out on, like, pop TV or something. And then I have to wait for it to hit Netflix. But it is seriously one of the funniest shows I have ever seen in my life. And if you do not laugh, there's something seriously wrong with you. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm going to try to not laugh. Um, I've <laughs> been watching quite a bit of TV. Um, I have no idea why, because I have, like, no time right now. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> in between the the time that I have, um, I just finished Jack Ryan season two, which is the TV series that is on Amazon. Um, it's the first story was like a it's a Middle Eastern story about brothers um, who are a terrorist network, and Jack and Ryan is is trying to work this mystery. The second season is corruption in Venezuela, um, and it's a really compelling story it's super realistic i enjoyed every single moment of it um so if you're into those kind of like political thrillers um jack ryan jack ryan season two is something to look out for uh, another mm-hmm. show um that i just got into um that megan who is going to be on the show in a little bit recommended to me is raising dion which is on netflix and it's about a young boy who gets superpowers and his mother trying to like raise this kid who has random superpowers. And of course he has tantrums and he's like eight. So an eight year old with super crazy abilities and what that's like. And I'm finding it super interesting and the story is good. And it's just interesting to think, what would I do if I had an eight year old son super abilities? Like how would I handle that? So it's just, it's a, it's a fun watch. And then the third one is something that I was not going to watch because I'm not a huge musical person in general, music, like musical, the shows. Um, and I was not like high school musical. The movies are not like my favorite of things, but on Disney plus high school musical, the musical, the series is actually pretty funny. Even the title itself is a satire, like high school musical, the musical, right. the series. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of the words. office and parks and rec and style. Like they talk to the TV and things like that. Like it's like a, like they break that, that third wind, you know, like they, they talk to the camera and it's definitely a satire. Mm-hmm. So if you were like, if you're in that 
space where you're like, oh, I don't want to watch High School Musical, that's okay. Watch it. It's actually super funny. So those are my recommendations for the TV world. All right. So for the New York bestsellers fiction, what's going on? All right. So there's been um, a few new things lately, so that's nice. Um, We'll start from the bottom. Number five is not new. It's Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. It's actually the 64th week it's been on the New York Times. I'm pretty sure it's been in the top five almost that entire time. Um, yeah. So that's a good book. Fourth is A Minute to Midnight by David Bal. I think it's Baldacci. Um, it's the second week on the list. Um, second week since it's been released. Um, so that's a fairly new book as well. Uh, third is The Guardians by John Grisham. That's been out a few weeks now. Um, I think it was second last uh, in in the second place last time we talked about books. Um, and then second, we have Crisscross by James Patterson. It's a brand new book. Um, James Patterson is like a mystery writer. So if you like mystery thrillers, James Patterson. And then in first place is The Rise of Magic by Nora Roberts. Um, this summer, I actually just read year one, the first book in this series. And there's a couple of them. I think there's three or I think this is the fourth one. And um, it's the Rise of Magic, so it's the conclusion to this this line, the storyline. Um, so uh, it was a good book, the first one, year one. So um, I'm I'm actually excited that this is out because I'm gonna eventually I'll get to it with all my books. Very cool. All right. Well, in the nonfiction world, there wasn't too many new things, uh, but number five is Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite people. Um, his book has been on the list for 12 weeks. It's been in the top 10, um, going in and out of the top five. Uh, number four is Educated by Tara Westover. It's been on the list for 93 weeks. And again, it's been in the top 10 all 93 of those weeks. It's a very popular book. Number three is Me by Elton John. The two new books this week, as well as um, hogging the top two spots, are all about the Trump administration, sadly. Um, number two is a warning by an anonymous author. It's, this is the second week it's been there. It's a, sen- a senior official in the Trump administration offers an assessment of the president and makes a moral appeal. Um, the title is a warning, so you can kind of figure out what sort of messaging he's going to have about the Trump administration by the title um, and the fact that he wants to stay anonymous. Number one, is Crime in Progress by Glenn Simpson and Peter Frisch. Um, The founders of the Fusion GPS detailed their investigation of Donald Trump and the subsequent fallout. It has to do with the Steele dossier. Um, If you don't know that, look into it. If you're interested, you can purchase it. Um, But the two two spots in the top five is just all about all the craziness that surrounds the Trump administration. So if you want to get more information or live in that crazy, feel free to read those two books. Um, What's going on in new releases? So new releases, um, we're not going to cover books until, again, until January, um, because next week is our last show before our Christmas break that we're going to take. So I kind of wanted to pick just a couple throughout that time frame. Um, So one of them is, it's called Heroes Wear Stethoscopes by J.M. Spade. It comes out this weekend on Sunday, which is a weird day, but specifically chosen um, because I've talked to the author, specifically chosen so you get, if you pre-ordered it, it will ship on that day and you will get it before the holiday, guaranteed, the, if you order a physical copy. Um, so specifically done that way. Um, this is J.M. Spade's second published novel. The first one is called The Wish List. They are medical fiction. Uh, the first one has um, a deeper romantic side to it. It's kind of humorous. Um, the author is a registered nurse, so knows what they're talking about. They're very, very valid, um, very accurate, um, funny, romantic. Um, just it's it's a lot, but it's it's a lot of different aspects. But they're very, very good books. So I highly recommend everyone pick up uh, the first book, which is the wish list. But this is the second book. They're standalone, so you can read both one or the other it doesn't matter and then my second recommendation um, comes out December 31st it's a book I just finished and I've written a review it will post on our sister site nerd probs 
Com on the 23rd for their book tour. It is called Good Girls Lie by J.T. Ellison. Um, it's about a boarding school, and I made the mistake of reading the synopsis but not looking up the genre when I agreed to review it, and I was under the impression I was about to read a YA fiction book. So imagine makes sense. I mean, the title is with, Good Girls Lie. I would have assumed right, that as well. Literally, the whole setting is a boarding school for teenagers. But imagine mm-hmm. my surprise when there was a quite graphic sexual encounter um, fairly close to the beginning of the book. And I was like, oh, wait. So I had to stop and like go to Amazon and see what genre of book I was reading. And it is not a wise person. It is, yeah, it is a thriller, suspense novel. So a little bit of mystery. Um, it just happens to take place at a boarding school. Um, but it's a boarding school, girls from all over attend, and it's mainly girls from affluent homes who mm-hmm. are trying to get into Ivy League schools. They are well known for all of their students ending up at big, very successful colleges and universities. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of secrets, lots of twists. Um, it's, I mean, it kept me guessing, and that's what I like. If I can get a book where I don't guess what's happening in the first half if I can't figure out the mm-hmm. ending within the first half of the book I'm 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 impressed so check that out it comes out December 31st again Good Girls Live by JT Ellison so those are my two new releases coming up and then Very I also cool. have a quick book recommendation for you if you don't mind this is um my book my book recommendations actually um it's a book I'm listening to on audiobooks um, it's called Alex Approximately by Jen Bennett. And I actually got this as a free audiobook. And I'm shocked because a lot of free audiobooks are like they're good, but I feel like they're not great. And maybe that's terrible of me to say, but I just feel like if they're gonna give their book away for free, it's probably because they need like a boost in sales and there's nothing wrong with that. Um uh, but right. this book from the gaggle, like the voice is spot on, whoever's voicing it is perfect. It's just a really good book. It's about a young girl who moves across the country to live with her father in the San Francisco area, which is kind of like your old your stomping grounds over there, Meg. Um, and it is. Uh, <laughs> it's not about and, me, um, I promise. It's not about you, but it's she's made this friend in this film critics a film lovers website, and this person lives in the same town as her dad, but she moves there and doesn't tell this person this this boy that. She lives there because she wants to figure out who he is to make sure he's not some serial stalker killer. And the characters are just, they're funny, and it's, they're, she, she's a quick talker, and she's, I don't know, she's witty, and it's just a really good book so far. I'm not even finished with it, and I'm recommending it. So I would recommend Very cool. you read Alex Approximately by Jed Bennett. Nice. And what's going on with the book club? Book club. So we are what are we nine days into December and we are reading before we were yours by Lisa Wingate uh it's a historical fiction won the vote this month it is um based on one of America's most notorious real life scandals which is um uh Georgia Tan a director of a Memphis-based adoption organization would kidnap and sell poor children to wealthy families um spread out all over the United States uh Back in the day, it's like 1939, I think it was, um, is the the, the setting of this. Um, and so it's poor kids getting kidnapped. And this book jumps between 1939 and okay. day. And I do not know yet who is who, but I'm sure people who are reading about 1939 are somehow related to people that we're reading about in current daytime. Um, and it's about okay. a woman who moves home to be with her family and to help because her father has gotten cancer. And she, I guess, comes across some family secrets. And I don't know much because we're only nine days in and I'm trying to not read it all in a matter of days and spread it out over the course of the month. So, yeah, it's really good. Very so cool. Far. So, like, nine days in, totally enough time for you guys to join the book club and join oh, the fun as well. Um, so go to just, just One More Chapter. It's on Facebook. Get the book. Start reading. They have discussion questions. Um, so there's, it's yeah. not too and late to join in December. 
I just want to throw out, in about 10 days, we'll start voting for January's book because we always start about the 20th of the month. This month, normally, we let everyone choose a genre, and then once the genre is chosen, recommend books. And then once some recommendations are out, we narrow it down and let people vote on which book to read. So it's 100% user-decided, like club member-decided. In January, we're going to shake it up just a little bit. Um, We're going to offer two books from all the genres we normally vote from. So two books from historical fiction, two books from mystery, two books from romance. And they're going to be the top two books in each genre for 2019. And we're going to let people vote on which one they want to read to give like an ode to 2019's top books. Very cool. All right, Kristen, guess what? I'm so ready. We did it in 15 minutes. We reached our goal. Perfectly. 100%. That was so, that was like, A plus. I'm winded. I'm, I'm winded. <laughs> All right. So, but that gives us 45 minutes to discuss one of my favorite things, which is Harry Potter. Uh, before we get yeah, into it, I want to bring on our third voice that's going to be helping us talk about Harry Potter, and that's Megan. Hey, Megan, what's uh-huh. up? Not right, are you ready? Just listening to you guys go through that. That was really fast, so right? quick. Yes, you did. I'm proud. So talented. <laughs> Me too. All right. Um, so obviously, when we get into discussions, I like to start off with a grounding question because I think we need to make it apparent for why we're discussing this. So I'll start off with uh, asking Megan, and then Kristen, you can follow, and then I'll answer third. Um, so why does this book series mean so much to people, and why does it matter so much to you? So, like, what is your story with Harry Potter, Megan? And then why do you think people resonate with these books so much? I didn't get into Harry Potter right away. I think I was still waiting for the seventh book to come out when I started reading it. But there were people into it much more before I was. And a friend got me onto it. Um, And I don't know that I have, like, a personal issue about why I think it resonates with me. But I think for most people, and probably for myself as well, it's just such a big world that she created that no matter what you like or what you want to focus on, there's a good amount of something that you can go into for it. Does that make sense? So it's yeah, just, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so big that no matter what you want, there's something that you can love about it. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's not exactly like you read a book and then it's over. It's like you are a part of a new world. And that's why I think it matters. What do you think, Kristen? I like hers. Can I steal it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's so true, though. Um, why does it matter? Um, I, I also, just like Megan, did not start Harry Potter right from the get-go I think like the fifth movie was coming out um I was super pregnant with my daughter and I was really bored because I was on bed rest and I was like I'm gonna watch these movies and my daughter's aunt was like no you're not allowed to watch the movie until you read the book and I was like fine fine I like reading give me the book I'll do it and I had tried Harry Potter many a times and failed um, to even, like, watch the first movie. Like, five minutes in, I was like, I'm bored. Yeah. I'm done. Um, and I read the book, and then I got to watch the first movie. And then she gave me the second book, and then I got to watch the second movie. And it just became a thing. And then my daughter was bored, and it just kind of followed. I'd go to the midnight screenings. And I just think it was, a, like, a it kept me entertained. And I do agree with Megan that it has, like, if you're in the mood for a love story, well, there's, plenty there's you know Ron and Hermione and there's Lupus and oh god my I just drove like Tonk Tonk um, yeah yeah so you've got all these you got a love story if you want an underdog story you have Neville if you want um like the good guy with twins you got Harry there's a story for everyone so it doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in Harry Potter always hits the spot yeah no I I agree with both of you I think it it, it really is such a big world and I think it's one of those books that, like, you can't, like you will always be able to discuss it because there's always something to discuss. Like, I this is probably, what, the fourth time that I've done a Harry Potter podcast. I did oh, a few yeah. with our old podcast. Like, and I still feel like there's questions left to be, 
you know, explored. And I think you can look at it in many different ways. You can look at it politically, you can look at it philosophically, you can look at it psychologically. And of course, you can also just look at it as a book lover who loves literature and looking at different things. And then, of course, she's even expanding the world as we speak right now with the new set of movies um, and all the information that she leaks out. And then, of course, people have their feelings about all of those different parts that are expanding, whether it's a good thing or not. Um, A lot of the Harry Potter podcasts that existed when I was in college still exist, and they're still making podcasts about once a month at least. So there's just so many things that you can do with the story. It's so rich. There's characters that just won't leave you. Um, There's characters that get underneath your skin that can't leave you in all the worst ways. There's just different, there's, it's just, it's a, it's a heavy, really such a big world kind of a book. Um, so what is your favorite book of the series? Uh, why don't we start with Kristen first? So who, what's your favorite book of the series oh, and why do you like it? Oh, that is such a hard question. I will say Order of the Phoenix is my least favorite. So we'll just get that out right there. Um, so it's definitely not it. Um <laughs> I, books, I think I'd have to say Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. I think, maybe, it's possible. Um, I think so. I think Deathly Hallows. I don't know why, I just think it was, I mean, it was huge, but it was um, well done. It wrapped the story up nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it, it. I can understand why later on they split it, because I feel like that book, it was two books in one. Like the first half was very calm almost. And a lot more of the drama came at the end. Like it was the first half was more about the journey. And the second mm-hmm. half was all about the, the peak, the action point. Um, so I, I guess I'd say Deathly Hallows, but that's really hard. It's like telling you to pick your favorite kid. <laughs> Definitely. What do you think, Megan? Well, um, I'm clearly already ready for a fight because my oh, favorite book <laughs> is Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, as far as why, and I know that Order of the Phoenix gets a lot of crap, um, but to me it was like the first book that really started looking at the world versus just like selfishly hairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I enjoyed that about it. I liked, like, it yeah. really felt like they were maturing in Order of the Phoenix. And it was, like, actual maturing, not, like, sexual stuff, like what I felt Half-Blood Prince was. <laughs> I mean, it, so it, it Half-Blood it Prince was, was. It was good. It was hormones. Yes, it was hormones. Yes. Um, I will give you that. I, would agree. I just want to say, I will, I will give you that they grew in that book a lot. It wasn't that I didn't like the storyline. I felt like that book was very slow. That's why it's my least favorite. Like, it yeah, no, wasn't. I, I think it's probably just because it wasn't as exciting. There wasn't so much action. It was very. It was more of like yeah. um, a storyline build. Yeah, it and was I would character and characterization. Yeah, and I would probably bridge your answers because I really can't choose between Order of the Phoenix and Half and um, Deathly Hollows is my favorite. I think with Order of the Phoenix, the reason I like it is because it introduced some characters that I absolutely adore. And it did widen, so it wasn't like, you know, Hogwarts. It was the the magical world. Now, some people, the criticism for Order of the Phoenix is that maybe it could have been edited down um, a little bit. But I also think at the same time, just like any kind of first movie, it's always the slowest because you have to do world building. And she had to do world building in Order of the Phoenix. She had to really set it up. And so I don't mind the non-action part because the idea that there is a government or that the prime minister is aware of this magical world, like like all of those intricate like, details that are in Order of the Phoenix and the politics and the new villain that was in that story, I think it just, it, it made me think a lot more. Out of all of the stories, yeah. out of all of the books, the Order of the Phoenix probably made me think the most about, like, it, like the questions that I had at the first four were really small picture questions, oh. and then, question, then book five happened, and all of a sudden, I had these really big, complicated. 
And I think for Deathly Hollows, I think it was it was probably the most beautifully written book um, out of all the series. I, I thought that her, her writing style was really good. It was really easy to read. And I think she did a really good job wrapping up the, the story for, for Deathly Hollows. Um, Definitely. You. So bridging the gap. Right now. Definitely. <laughs> I usually do play that role. It's a weird. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> and it could be because of the house that I'm in and you're in. Um, so, Megan, tell the world, what house are you in? I am a proud Slytherin, and I have no qualms about telling people it, and I have no <laughs> negative emotions that come from being a Slytherin in any way, shape, or form. The end. Okay, and Kristen? Okay, so this is weird. So I've done Pottermore. Okay, so back when Pottermore came out, I did Pottermore. And I, I landed yeah. in Slytherin. And I would have agreed with that 100% at that time in my life. Well, then after a while, I stopped going on it. And mm-hmm. recently, I went to do it again. Recently, by like a year ago. I went to do it, like go back in. And it was like, oh, you must re-register. Like we deleted you. So I was like, all right, cool. So I did it again, and I must have gotten soft in my old age. And I'm not old, but older age than I was when it first came out. What are you? Are you a Hufflepuff? Because now I am now a Hufflepuff. Like, literally, you should have heard me. I took the thing. I deleted my account three times and took the test three times. And my daughter stood laughing hysterically at me because I was super mad that I was a Hufflepuff. (laughs) I was like, I'm a wiggly. There's nothing, there <laughs> There's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong but... with being a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs are amazing. But I don't know how you, I don't know how you go from Slytherin to Hufflepuff, though. I, I don't know. Just what you, you wanted have... to be, honestly. Probably. Because, <laughs> like, when I was, like, first reading the story, I was like, I was, I'm a Gryffindor. I'm a Gryffindor. I am not a Gryffindor. Um, I'm a Ravenclaw, so that's my house. Um in terms of like, and I, I do agree with that. And as I as I did more research and like looked into it, I definitely have I have Ravenclaw pride. I definitely feel like I'm a Ravenclaw. Now we had a really good listener question that has like multiple parts that I think we need to spend some time on. Um, this is probably my favoriteest question that we got asked because I started thinking about it immediately. So the question is. Do students subconsciously or consciously foster their internal traits or values that match their house after being sorted? For example, a Slytherin is expected to be ambitious or value ambition. So now that they are in Slytherin, do they become even more ambitious? Another example, does a Hufflepuff student have it in the back of their mind that they're supposed to be loyal and honest? And so when making a decision as to whether or not to tell the truth, does the fact that they're in Hufflepuff sway that decision. So what do you think? Do you think that this house that these 11-year-olds get sorted into, do you think that it subconsciously or consciously gets into their behaviors and, and really becomes part? So is it the sorting that emphasizes that? Or is it just something that naturally, you know, I, I just, this really just got into my head a lot. Megan, what do you think? I think that we look into houses and what they mean way more than what they actually did in the books. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot of times where teachers were like, you're a Gryffindor, so you have to be this, or like much of any of that minus the sorting hat songs at the beginning of every year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that in some ways, yeah, maybe being around people that have similar goals to you is going to keep you on track with those goals. Um, but I mean, the Hufflepuffs suck and we're super mean during the book. So I don't think that like, I don't think that it was as limited as what sometimes we outside of this try to make it be. And in terms of the I would not, I would not have categorized Slytherin as ambitious. I mean, that is, I guess, one characteristic, but that would not be my primarily, primary thought on Slytherin after reading the book. Um, deceitful. But why are they doing like, it? It would have been, it would have, like, I feel like in the books, especially the way that most of the characters in Slytherin were, 
it was far mm-hmm. more negative of an aspect. Yes, I would agree with Whereas that. Whereas I, I, I agree with ambitious and stuff like that. I think that's the more real. I think that's what they were supposed to be. I would just think yeah. that the current class was terrible. But I think, well, I, mean, I think Megan said it best earlier. You're putting, I don't think that being in Slytherin makes you want to be more ambitious or being a Hufflepuff makes you more, uh, want, want to be more loyal and honest or become that. I think we, we get put in houses that we want to be in or like we want to be like those people. So Slytherin, say is ambitious it might be because subconsciously when you're taking the test you're like yeah that's what you're leaning for like if I I want to be an ambitious individual I want to be more ambitious than I already am or I want to be more brave than I already am I want to be able to say I'm a Ravenclaw and I'm brave even if you don't quite believe it that's what you want Mm -hmm. that's the house you're going to end up in because that's the answer that you're going to lean towards yeah, and I have a couple of, of points to, to make. So, like, for instance, like, Slytherin is ambitious. Now, any of, any of the words, whether it's um, Ravenclaw is wit, Hufflepuff is loyal, any of those words have a negative and a positive to either side of it. So, for Slytherin, ambitious just could be you want to be important. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be important or wanting to be good or wanting to be an expert or wanting to, you know, like, and I think those are examples. There are examples of those, not really good ones in the books and the movies, sadly. I wish we had better right. Slytherin role models to look at. But even Ravenclaw, like you can want to seek knowledge and seek this and, and be seen as smart, but you can end up like a Gilderoy Lockhart, who is a Ravenclaw, who took that Ravenclaw attributes and took it too far. Or you can be Tonks, or you can be Luna Lovegood, which is more of the better examples. And then Hufflepuff, like I think Megan mentioned it earlier, in Goblet of Fire, the Hufflepuffs were probably the meanest to Harry because their loyalty to Cedric was making them act like absolute tools because they were confusing (laughs) loyalty, which is being mean. You know what I mean? Like that mob mentality that sometimes when you're too loyal and you don't ask enough questions or you, you, you just become that like click that anyone who's not part of your person, you know, so there's good and bad on both sides. Now, my follow-up question to the conversation would be this. At 11, can you really be sorted? Like, I mean, can you really be sorted into the appropriate house? Like, is this, like, you think that just psychologically, like, putting the story aside for a moment, at 11 years old, being put into these value-oriented houses, um, do you think that's a good idea, or do you think that that's a little premature, and can it lead to identity issues? And I think that's really what this question that the listener is asking for is, do you think that being classified in a certain way kind of leads to that self-labeling and like those identity conflicts? Well, look at, look at where you were in middle school, the person you were, the people that you were friends with or the people you weren't friends with, like the, the kids that maybe you didn't get along with. If we stuck all those people in a house based on their behavior at 11, which is like sixth grade. I have an 11-year-old that's sixth grade. Um, no, I don't think that's a good chance to categorize someone in this is what you are, this is what you're going to be. But you have to also take into effect that they have a magical hat that's making this decision for them. It doesn't necessarily mean they're just, you know. Which could change the game. They get, which, right. But, so I, I do think 11 is a terrible age to make that decision. <laughs> I have what do you a think, couple Megan? of things to say about this. Number one, like I said again, I think that we analyze the houses and the traits of the houses way, way more than they did. But number two, okay. if you really look at it at 11, they were not being sorted in the way that you would think that they would be sorted. For one, at looking at Neville mm-hmm. at 11, would you have put him into Gryffindor? No. 
No. It would have put him probably into Hufflepuff. But he right. grew into his Gryffindorness. So it wasn't based right, on which who is... he was at 11. It was based on, like, I mean, type that's of the person That's where the magic hat comes in, in my opinion. Yeah, Luna loves it. Right. Luna loves good. Never would you have put her into Ravenclaw. Probably also would have put her into Hufflepuff, just based on, like, knowing her. But, like, <laughs> Anyone is after nice. You sit, after you sit down and think about it, or, I mean, think about the Weasleys or, you know, any of the Slytherin people. I don't think that every single Weasley had every single trait exactly the same. For example, I probably would not have put Percy no. into Gryffindor either. However, mm-hmm. because of, like, their lineage, they were put into that. So I really think that we overanalyze the traits of the houses and how that fits into where people are sorted we way definitely more than do. what it actually was. We definitely do, but I think that it speaks to, first of all, the richness of the Harry Potter world, because really when we're talking about houses and when we're talking about all this, really we're having a conversation about identity and personality and trying to understand that concept and how it fits with us. So the over in that analyzing is definitely, they probably didn't do it as much, but just as a teacher point from a point of view, as someone, as when we were a kid, labels do matter. And the question, I think, I think, yes, it probably did mess with the kids in minds about like, maybe I'm not Gryffindor enough. I mean, Neville probably had that conversation every single day until he showed that moment. Right. Um, so I really do think it's a, it's a, it's a rich conversation about identity, which I think is really, I think it's as complicated as the conversation that we're having now. So um, that was a really good question listener. So thank you for that. All right. So now I want to get to favorite characters. Um, so Megan, who is your favorite character or characters? I'll allow two. Uh, well, since you're allowing two, I will say the Weasley twins. However, George is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so why, okay, so I'll come back to you. Kristen, who is your favorite character or characters? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to count the Weasley twins as one because they are one of my favorites, but I kind of count them as one person, which is unfair. Um, it is cheating. But, <laughs> it is cheating. But um, I am also a fan um, of Snape. Snape was one of my favorites, even though he was kind of terrible a lot of the books. But he was, he's one of my and favorites. Cool. And we are definitely, and I'm really glad that you think that because that will allow for a really good conversation later on. Um, Megan, going back to you. Okay. Why is George better? Because most of you, I think most people would be on Kristen's boat, which is the Weasleys are one entity. Well, I was going to mention that again and ready for another fight, but. The twins. Dialogue. Calm yourself. <laughs> I'm always ready for a fight. I'm a Slytherin. Okay. The twins, yes, are seen together the majority of the time. The only times that they are not together are actually the times that they get hurt or murdered. Um, but they are very different people in a lot of way too <laughs> Fred, I have to because I can't like actually think about it or I'd want to cry. So Fred is kind of more of the outgoing one, the one that's instigating a lot of things, the one that makes the most jokes, the one that's starting the jokes when they're made, the one who's, like, willing to blackmail someone and, like, really push things. Whereas George, I mean, I don't want to say he's the more intelligent one, but he is the more intelligent one. And he... (laughs) He pulls Fred back a lot, and he also, like, makes Fred think about things, and he's more compassionate and thoughtful and kind of, like, making sure that all of Fred's grand ideas can actually happen while getting them in the minimal amount of trouble. Mm -hmm. And I vastly respect George for that. He's not just the, like, bust through every wall. He's the let's think this through type of person, and I appreciate that. When Megan said this to me the first time, I was like, what? Like, 
I mean, I, I, I thought she was probably right because she, she usually has a pretty good, keen, insightful, analyzing mind. But I was like, whatever. Like, I, I, I took it with a grain of salt. But then I started looking at examples of George and Fred's interaction. And she's right. Fred is definitely more of the extroverted, more impulsive twin. George is a little bit less of that. Which is why they're really good partners, because if you have any kind of duo, you need someone who's willing to be the person who puts themselves out there and, like, more of that impulsive kind of personality. And then you also need someone who's, like, who goes along and encourages the best ideas, but also questions, like, you know, or, you know, is the more of the compassionate side. So I think it, it works for their, their duo and how they function as both brothers, friends, as well as business partners, so. Right. For me, um, my two favorite is Luna Lovegood and Ron Weasley, which I will probably talk more about in the movie episode because I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, <laughs> Luna Lovegood, just because she is so original and so weird, and I think we tend to have a very narrow definition of intelligence. And Luna Lovegood is that, that wisdom, abstract, creative intelligence that I honestly really do value. And that's more of how I see my intelligence. Like I'm not the, the Hermione Granger where I'm like, you know, doing all my home, you know, like I'm not that kind of a personality. So I just like that it brought a different side to um, Ravenclaw and a different side of what it means or what it looks like to be smart. And then Ron Weasley, because he's just a, a really good, loyal, imperfect friend. And I think his intelligence gets questioned quite a bit. And I think um, he is someone who is underestimated a lot. And that was very evident in the movies. And I'll talk more about that next episode. But he's always been a character that I felt like I could relate to. And um, I really enjoyed him as a person. So that would be my I think favorite. It's just, I think it's cool that my characters bullied your character because that's pretty true to life. This is true. <laughs> Constantly bullied. Um, you're not making Slytherins look good right now, Megan. <laughs> By the way, just to prove my point, the twins were Gryffindor. <laughs> um, so obviously there's a lot of deaths that happen in the Harry Potter series over time. Which one really stuck with you and made you super sad? Um, Kristen, I'll start with you. So what was a death that really, really upset you? They all upset me, but um, I I know you're expecting me to say Snape because Snape was my one of my favorites. But honestly, I think watching the movies and reading the books and just kind of li- loving these characters so much for so long, um, especially in the books because books are far more detailed. I feel like Albus Dumbledore's was the saddest for me because. Mm-hmm. There's just something really, I don't know, like, if you're in war, like, you know, when Fred died or when Snape died, death is a side effect of war. That it happens. It it doesn't make it less sad, but it, it happens. It's almost expected that someone is bound mm-hmm. to die. Um, and while we can say they were at war this whole time and Albus's death was part of the war, I feel like there's something sadder to the fact that he stood face to face with these people who obviously wanted him dead and asked his friend who Snape, that's my favorite character, asked his friend to take that hit. So imagine like that's you and your friend and they're like, listen, this guy's going to kill me. I'd rather it be you. Don't let like this kid is going to do it, do it for him. So he doesn't have that burden on him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't just have, knowing that you've asked your friend to do that, that's sad on both sides of the story. Um, so I just felt that was just, and then everyone's reaction and Harry's reaction and then the raising of the wand, it was just terrible. Terrible. It was 
terribly sad, the whole thing. And Megan? I threw the book across the room when Fred died, and I went outside <laughs> and cried for 30 minutes and then came back to finish reading. I have but a question shout out for to you. Sirius as well, because Sirius is sad too. <laughs> You know, I, um, so Dumbledore's death didn't, I mean, I was sad because I, I do enjoy Dumbledore as a character, but I already, I always, like, if you follow the rules of storytelling, his death was inevitable. So I kind of accepted mm-hmm. that he was going to die in book one. So like when he died, I was like, okay, it happened. Um, Fred really upset me. And I think the the reason why Fred upset me is because it was so quick and mm-hmm. how it was written and in in the chaos of the war um it it just was like and it was and I liked the way that she wrote it I liked the way that she did it because it really did fit that wartime like all, there was like a moment of peace and then all of a sudden the war came and the randomness of it um and how it's so unfair and how some people survive and some don't so it's just the way it was set up, I think, just made it so it was very upsetting. Serious? I, I for both of you. Yeah. Real okay. quick, because it has to do with Fred, and you're talking about Fred. Um, okay. And this is kind of a comparison to the movies, which we'll talk about next, but it's more the books. Fred's death in the books was terribly sad and depressing, and it was written well. Do you feel like that played over into the movies, though? Like, I, I, if you were asking me 100% book-related, one of the saddest deaths, Fred would definitely be on the top. But if you're asking me as a whole of the Harry Potter, based on what I've read and what I've watched, Fred drops down because it wasn't terribly sad in the movie, in my opinion. No, I was kind of like, I think, like, I, think over. I think it was sad because... I love Fred. Like it was a character that I got to know with the books and because of the backstory in that time, it was sad in the movie. But yes, if I was an outsider, I don't think the movies created a multifaceted character in either Fred or George. I think that they were more of the, the comic release side of things and it was super quick and it didn't play out as well as it did in the books. I agree. I think the movies, it was very, it was very glossed over. They definitely had, I mean, even, even Tonks and, and Lupins, like it was very like, and then there was other characters I didn't and even realize died. That was also yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was not played out. And, and, and those characters were not fleshed out either in the movie. So I think. Yeah, Agreed. I um, all right. I want to get to the Snape conversation. So I, I'm going to do it because we don't have any time. So we will get to these questions. I am, I imagine we'll do more Harry Potter. So I'm just going to get into this name because I feel like that is the area that we're going to have a lot of really good conversations. So, <laughs> or fights. Or fights. But to me, is a good conversation. This is what people, people need <laughs> to see, how differing opinions can be handled and no one gets upset. Um, so Severus Snape. Is he, and this is a conversation that has divided Harry Potter fans for a very, very long time. Is Snape, Severus Snape a good or a bad person or somewhere in between? So I want to give first first talk to Kristen because it's her favorite. So I think it's fair. Um, Kristen, defend your man. Uh, I'm not really going to defend him because I think that overall, he was a good person, but I think he made very bad decisions. And I think maybe he was considered a bad person in earlier years, obviously for the choices he made. Um, I mean, you don't become Death Eater because you're a great person. So I think he, I think he's, he stands true to that. You can, like people can change with enough Mm -hmm. effort and good people surrounding them. And I think that um, he is also, along with Draco, because I'm a firm believer in this as well, they are, they come from, uh, how do I want to say, this proves nurture over nature, or nurture versus nature. Um, I don't think people are, unless they're psychopaths, which is possible because you can be born like that, um, are meant to be make terrible choices and be terrible people 
like Death Eaters and, you know, Draco and his whole family, Snape, when he was, you know, part of all that darkness. But I think you you get put in a situation where sometimes that negative choice is the easier choice to make. And at mm-hmm. that point, that's the choice they made. And so I think that Snape made bad choices. I don't think he was a bad person. I think that he just chose the wrong path. But mm-hmm. I think it proves that where he ended up being so trusted by Dumbledore and honestly helping the good guys that if he was a bad guy he wouldn't have ended up there because he had plenty of choices yeah he had plenty of opportunity to go back and he chose not to so just a clarifying question uh so the reason severus snape is your favorite character is because of his bravery and the risk that he took i i don't even know i think i like snape because there's so many like he's not what you expect and I okay. love characters that are not, like, you expect him to be a jerk, you expect him to be a bad guy, but he's yeah. not. Even though he still looks it, even when you find out he's a good guy, he's still kind of a jerk. But he's, he's definitely a, good guy. a rich character, for sure. Absolutely. There's lots about him. Uh, so what do you think, Megan, in terms of good or bad or somewhere in between? I don't think I would ever call Severus Snape good. Mm-hmm. And that is a bold statement to make. I believe that every decision that he made for good that people argue is actually just because he was selfish and couldn't get over Lily. I don't, I know this is like totally the opposite of everything that Kristen just said, but and that's totally fine. I, it's different. I just, I don't know. I would probably put him in like, my top three worst characters in the books because I think that yes he did do and some I think good he, things yeah but I think that I, he did them for, not for like the betterment of society or people or anything like that it all seemed to stem out of his obsession with Lily and I don't support that I guess is and, what I'm trying to say it makes sense and I'm somewhere in between again <laughs> Um, I definitely would, I definitely would not put him as like the, one of the worst. Cause I, I think there's something super interesting about Severus Snape, which is why I, there's so much debate about him because I think there's, there's multiple levels. Severus Snape did an incredibly brave, he definitely risked his life. It is not easy being a double agent. He, at the same time, there are certain things that he does where like certain ways that he treats his students, certain ways that he, like for even his one friend, Lily, um, some of the things that he says, I think are pretty unforgivable, like imperfect. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't think evil, but unforgivable. Some like the, the way that he, he basically verbally abused Hermione Granger about her looks, about everything. Like, it's just like, that is not something that I can be like, you know what? You did this amazing, brave thing. I'm going to just, you know, ignore the fact that you made a 13-year-old girl feel, like, horrible about herself. And at mm-hmm. the same time, his love story, which some people really like, like, they they have, like, the, the bumper sticker of always, and they, they, they kind of glamorize it a little bit. To me, the, the romance or the feelings of Severus Snape towards Lily is problematic and not healthy like the fact that he's never been able to like move on and people debate whether it's just like he feels filled he's just so filled with guilt that he couldn't move on but it's more seems like an obsessive love that he's never been able to get over and it's never been reciprocated and he even hates Harry for looking like the guy who got the girl that he never got which is again incredibly unhealthy and so there's just so many things about Severus Snape that is 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 problematic. Okay. But I, have a I will not I will not doubt that he he I will not say that he's he's evil. I just think he's there's just a lot of things about him that I it doesn't necessarily sit well. Question. Okay, I have a quick question. Yeah. So I agree that he treated the kids terribly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
calling Hermione names, putting her down, putting Harry down to see the books like his dad, whatever. So is that because he's a bad person? Or could the argument, argument be made that he was treated that way? Because when, when it showed flashbacks, or you read flashbacks, mm-hmm. like he was not a mean kid. He was a sweet kid. And he turned mean when he was treated like crap repeatedly. So again, is it because he's a bad person? Or is it just because that is what he was taught is the norm? That behavior is okay. Like, Those people get Because if that was the case, then Harry's dad is just as evil as Snape because he's out calling people names and bullying them and treating them like crap. Okay, but that was, like, between a classmate versus, like, a teacher to a student, which is a completely different story, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, but and, it's just and this behavior is, in yeah. general, treating people like garbage, because you were treated For like sure. garbage, it happens in real life, you know. So does that make you yes. just an overall terrible person or just have, I mean, just, I don't you know, think, you're making some bad choices based on behavior? I don't think Severus Snape is a bad person. I think he's a deeply flawed person. Um, but I also think we need to be careful with that because at the end of the day, we do have choices. It does. Oh, yeah. Like, it, I think, you know what I mean? Like, and I think we've all been bullied. I've definitely been bullied. And there's different ways that you can do it. Luna Lovegood was consistently 100%. bullied. She's been bullied. Like, and she, you know, Neville was bullied. And there's there's ways that you can react to it, and there's ways that, of not dealing with it. And he definitely has a tragic childhood, um, and he's a very tragic character. And I think, and this is kind of goes into just like my questions of, and I think it's loving Severus Snape because he's such a complicated character that you can talk about a million things with him, and, and admiring his the risk that he took is one thing. But there is definitely a romanticizing of him. And I think it has to do with emo culture and some other things that are going on, too. It's, like, the same reason why people like the Joker. And, like, you know, like, it's that there's people who are drawn to that toxic kind of a sad character that I that I do question quite a bit when it comes to Severus Snape. But there's no doubt he is a fascinating individual, for sure. And, there, and it definitely explains his behavior, for sure. But does it necessarily excuse it when he becomes a professor? Definitely not. No. <laughs> no. And if it was your kid? Or that any of my kids? <laughs> like, if another teacher did that to my students, I, I, it would be on. So, like... Oh, yeah, so, totally. So, there's definitely some, some problems with it. It does come down All to right. choice in the end, so... Like you said, like we all have, we're all nurtured. You can have two people, yes. both bullied. One comes out, you know, fighting for the underdog. The other one comes out beating the underdog, you know, like it's abusing the underdog like, again. It's just like Dumbledore said. It is our choices. It's always our choices. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Tadley, we are out of time. I'm going to, yeah. on the air, pitch an idea to Kristen. Kristen. Oh, oh Lord. Uh-huh. Maybe we should increase the show 30 minutes so we can get to these other questions that we need. Yeah, I'm in. All right. So we'll do it 30 minutes earlier, and we'll increase the show so that we can get to some of these questions. Uh, we're going to be posting mm-hmm. on Twitter and other places. Um, so if you have any questions, definitely put them out there. I am putting everyone's name um, who's put questions in a uh, jar and I'm going to pick four winners uh, to get a prize. So definitely stay tuned, ask your questions and we will get to them next week where we're going to be mainly focusing on the movies, but we'll also finish up some of the questions that were asked um, today. All right. So really quickly, um, Nerdy obsessions, don't explain it too much. Just put it out there. Megan, what's your nerdy obsession? The High School Musical, the musical, the series soundtrack. Wow. It is pretty good. I have a really long name. (laughs) The name is really long. Um, I'm currently (laughs) obsessed with... (laughs) It's abbreviated. I like it. Um, Currently, I'm obsessed with Monopoly. 
weird, but okay, I can't stop so playing patience. Monopoly on my Monopoly. iPad. <laughs> uh, it, mine is I went to the Dickens Fair, and it was pretty awesome. All right, so nerdpops.com. Make sure you go to that site. One more chapter. Um, join so that you can join book club. We will be back on the air next Monday at 630 for the Harry Potter movie show. All right. Thank you very much. Bye.